Father God in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this night. Thank you for this gathering of saints. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that's inside of us and is here in our midst. So, Lord, we love you. We praise you. And, Father, as we go into the Bible study now, Lord, speak to our hearts. Teach us from this ancient prophet, Jonah, what you would have for us to learn tonight and understand from the word. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. 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 Great to see you guys tonight. How's everybody doing? It's great to have you on the midweek service. Our children are dismissed to Children's Church, and our students can go to their uh, student ministry classes. So, just just by chance, anybody here backslidden tonight? Any backsliders tonight? Maybe there's somebody online watching us that's a backslider or is falling away from the Lord. Or maybe, maybe I, I'm being sarcastic, but the, the title of my message tonight is uh, How to Return to God When You've Fallen Away. But sometimes in life, sometimes on purpose, sometimes just by the busyness of life, we drift away from the Lord. We drift away from God. And so tonight's message from Jonah chapter 2 is how to return to God when you have fallen away. One of the things I'm so thankful for when it comes to Scripture, and I, I love this about the Holy Bible. Oh, it just brings joy to my heart, is the Bible is not filled with perfect people. Do you know that? They, they made a lot of mistakes. They sinned greatly. Uh, King David, what did he do? He slept with Bathsheba. Abraham lied about his wife. Peter denied Christ. Uh, the list goes on and on. Jonah, we saw last week, ran from the call of God. And uh, these guys in the scriptures, they encourage me. They encourage me when, whenever I fail. And they remind me that we serve an awesome God who forgives, who restores. And it doesn't matter as a believer in Christ. It doesn't matter how far you've fallen away. Anybody that's listening, it doesn't matter how far you've fallen away. If you will come back to God on his terms, he will receive you and he will restore you. That's the, that's the we're going to see in Jonah chapter 2 tonight, this uh, returning and by, by Jonah chapter 3 verse 1, a full on restoration. Praise the Lord. Our God is a restoring God. Now remember what happened in Jonah chapter 1. The, yes, the fish. Thank you. Uh, that's right, the fish. But Jonah was, God called Jonah to go to Nineveh. He said, uh-uh, I ain't doing it. And he ran down to Joppa, and he got on a boat heading to Tarshish, going across the Mediterranean. He thought he was running from God, but what he forgot is God is omniscient, and he sees all. He sees everything out there on planet Earth. He sees every single human being, everything. And, but here the prophet Jonah is, is running and God says, nope, 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 nope. Come on back, come on back. You're, you're, I, I'm bringing you back into the fold. I'm, I'm going to teach you a lesson out here, and I'm going to bring you back. So in Jonah chapter 1, Jonah chapter 1 ended with uh, Jonah going for a swim. He went for a swim in a big swimming pool called the Mediterranean Sea. So that's where we pick it up tonight in Jonah chapter 2, verse 1 in our study. So Jonah has been thrown overboard and so let's take a look at this. And again, what I want to give you tonight in our Bible study is I want to give you kind of a step-by-step -step process 
of how to return to the Lord. Matter of fact, I didn't plan this, but Rick, go to my last slide. Go to my very last slide. It says, how do you return to God when you have fallen away? The very last one um, after that. Yeah, there it is. That's the outline of my teaching tonight. I was going to go over it at the very end, but how to return to God when you have fallen away. First, there has to be a full turning point. Then there has to be full repentance, full obedience. And when you go to a complete turning point, complete repentance and complete obedience, guess what God's going to do? He's going to restore you. And that's exactly the layout of Jonah chapter 2. So let's take a look at it. Jonah chapter 2 verse 1 says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. So the first thing you have to do to return to the Lord is you have to have a turning point. And I pull my, my point turning point from that very first word. It says, then, Jonah. That word then means after this. After this took place, this is what happened. So Jonah's turning point is actually in Jonah chapter 1. Go back and look at verses 8 and 9. Let's look at some key, some key points where he is, he's making a U-turn for Christ. In, in chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, it says, Then they said to him, Tell us now, on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and from what people are you? Man, they were drilling him hard. They were drilling him hard, and he knew the hand of God was there. And, he, and it, it, finally he says, Uncle, and he says there in verse 9, he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. So he went from being this castaway, keeping himself a secret, not letting the sailors know who he was, to say, you know what? I'm one of those Israelites. I'm one of those Hebrews, and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and dry land. So Jonah understood he's done wrong. God opens his eyes, and he remembers his faith and where he came from. You know, and for us today, it's crazy how sin can deceive Christians. Sin can deceive Christians. Sin can come in and twist our minds, twist our hearts. It can deceive us. It's like putting a wool over our eyes and deceive us at times. You know, it's not until the Holy Spirit opens your eyes until you see the mess you're in. And what the Holy Spirit does is he causes you to come back to what is true, just like he did here with Jonah, where Jonah says, you know what, I'm a Hebrew, and, and, and I fear the Lord God who made the heavens and the earth. So this is part of his turning around. This is part of his turning back to the Lord. Now look at verse 12, continuing looking at his step one, which is the turning point. He says in verse 12, he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that on account of me this great storm has come upon you. So what do we see there in that verse? We see that Jonah is remorseful. Jonah is remorseful and he's repentant. He knows he's done wrong. He doesn't try to justify his actions. He doesn't try to explain it away. He just simply says, throw me in the sea. Throw me in the ocean. He realized his guilt. And friends and family, in our world today as a believer, uh, guilt and conviction, I believe, is a gift from God. Praise the Lord for guilt and conviction. Not condemnation. 
Because, you know, we're not condemned, but the Holy Spirit will bring guilt upon our consciousness, will bring guilt upon our hearts, will bring conviction when we do what is wrong or when we sin against the Lord or when we're going against his will. It's, it's a, the, guilt, the guilt and conviction is a beautiful gift from God. It leads us away from sin and it points us to Christ. So the next time the Holy Spirit convicts you of something that you're doing wrong, he brings something to light, just look up to heaven and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for conviction. Thank you, Lord, for bringing me to a place of repentance. You know, that's true agape biblical love from God. To see his son or daughter living in rebellion, living in sin, backsliding, whatever, and he taps on her shoulder and he says, you know what? You need to stop doing that. You need to repent. You need to come back. And then look down at verse 17. We're looking at point number one, which is his turning point, which all took place in chapter one. Verse 17, he says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Here, Jonah had hit rock bottom, literally. He's down literally in the depths of the Mediterranean Sea inside of a sea creature being sloshed around in stomach acid and dead fish and seaweed, and it was a mess. But that's where he was. That was his rock bottom. You know, in many cases today, we, and our turning, our turning point does not come until we hit rock bottom. Until, you know, the only, the only good thing about hitting rock bottom, there's only one way to go, and that's up. Amen. And sometimes it's good that we hit rock bottom because so there's nowhere else to turn except to the Lord. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, we see a brother or sister we, we challenge them. We warn them. They still continue to rebel. They still continue to make mistakes. You know what? And we just, we just pray to God. We, we trust God. And we, and we just look at the situation and we say, you know what? They haven't hit rock bottom yet. But eventually, our sons, our daughters, our children, our brothers, our sisters, sometimes we just need to be patient and trust the Lord. And, and when we see a son or daughter going astray, going in a direction they shouldn't go, and it doesn't seem like there's no U-turn, there's no turning around. We just need to pray and trust God and just know that one day they'll hit rock bottom. And when they hit rock bottom, then there'll be only way to look up. There'll be only way to look up. Look, and that's up. Blech. So so that was Jonah's uh, turning point. So, the, so for a person to return to God after they've fallen away, the first principle is they have to have a turning point. They have to have a change of direction. So let's look at Jonah's prayer, chapter 2. Verse 1, <clears throat> chapter 2, verse 1 says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. Now, I don't know about you, but when, whenever I go home and I want to pray, I get in my nice, comfortable chair right next to my bed. I turn my lamp on. I got my tables and I got my chairs, and it's so comfortable, so relaxing. Sometimes I can be reading my Bible or or, or studying for my sermon or whatever, and I'll doze off to sleep because I'm so comfortable. But poor Jonah, he didn't have comfort. He's in the belly of a well. He's sloshing around down there. But the first principle uh, that we see here in verse 1 is Jonah prayed. Jonah prayed. And if, you, if someone has fallen away and they want to turn back to the Lord, the first thing they want to do is they want to pray. Pray. 
That means they have to call upon the name of the Lord with their lips, with their heart. They got to cry out to God. And, and this, this can't be just a, a religious prayer or a traditional prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, you know, with no meaning and no heart to it. But this needs to be a heartfelt, authentic cry from our heart. Man, he's down there in the ocean. He's down there in this, in this sea creature. I, I, there was no distractions for him praying. There was, there was, there was no cell phones. There was no um, anything that could distract him. He was completely focused on God. So when, when a person turns back to the Lord, they have to be completely focused on God. And there has to be a spirit of desperation. It's like, Lord, I'm coming after you. This is the most important thing to me. And I, I've got to have you. I have to have you, Lord. You know, there's, there's a cry in our hearts. There's a, a desperation to where, where nothing else will settle. Nothing, nothing else will settle our hearts. But then to, to meet with the Lord. And we have to ask. We have to pray. As Jonah's praying here in the, in the belly of the well. We have to pray that the Lord will turn our hearts completely to him. You know, it's not just enough to want it which that's a good beginning, but we also in that prayer say, Holy Spirit, give me a passion. Give me a fire. Give me a desire to completely come after my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, have you ever met those people before that have fallen away and, and they get radically, they radically rededicate their lives or they come back to the Lord and they are completely focused they're letting nothing stand in the way. No, no sin, no temptation, no family member, no nothing. They won't let nothing get in the way. All they want is God in their life. We got to get to that point, family. We got to get to that point in our prayer to the Lord. And, and it's got to be from the heart. Can't just be lip service. Verse two, he says, and he said, I called out my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. Uh, and then he says, I cried for help from the depths of Sheol. You heard my voice. So the first thing there he says, he says, I called out in my distress. That word distress, it means trouble, anguish, a bad situation. So Jonah is calling out to God in his trouble, in his anguish, in a bad situation. And don't we do the same thing? Don't we do the same thing, Christians? Maybe you haven't fallen away, but maybe you've been making some bad decisions and you find yourself in, a, in the wrong place at the wrong time and making the wrong decisions and all of a sudden, you know in your heart, the thing I need to do most is I need to pray. I need to pray. I need to pray because I'm in distress because of the situation that most likely I put myself in. And then notice he says in verse 2 also, he says, I called out in my distress to the Lord, and it says, he answered me. And then he says, I cried out for help from the depths of Sheol, and you heard my voice. There twice in verse 2 God reassures us that if we call out with a heart of sincerity, he will hear you, okay? And this don't have to be at church. This can be at your home. This can be in your office. This can be wherever you're at. He's in the bottom of the ocean inside the belly of a, of a, a sea creature. So this can be anywhere. He says, I, so he, he will hear us. We need to understand that. No matter how far you've gone, no matter how far you've blown it, no matter how far you've fallen away, if you'll repent and return to him with all your heart, he says in his word, he will hear you. 
And boy, that's such a reassuring, such a blessed thing to understand and know that when we pray, God hears our prayer when they come from the heart. He says, I cried. He also, after he says, I cried out in my distress to the Lord, I cried out to help from the depths of Sheol. That word Sheol has two definitions in the text in Scripture. The first one is it means a ravine, chasm, or grave somewhere low, but it also means the place of the dead that people go to after they pass away. The place of the dead that's divided into two compartments, one of eternal torment and one of, of paradise. I believe the, the Sheol that's being talked about here, based on the fact that, that he is still alive, it would be that first definition that he's in the ravine, he's in the chasm, he's in the grave. He knows he is this close to death. He's this, if, that, if that well opens his mouth or lets the water in or whatever, it's lights out. You know? And not only that, <clears throat> close to death, but he's also low. The word she'll ravine, chasms, he's down in the ocean, but also means grave, close to death. So he's in this place of, of Sheol. He's, he's in this place of Sheol. He's close to death, and he's very, very miserable. I want to read to you guys uh, Psalms 18, verses 1 through 6. And what I, want to, what I want you to see in this passage is how the psalmist goes from loving the Lord and praising the Lord, this beautiful, intimate relationship, to the next thing you know, he, he's talking about being uh, in the cords of Sheol. But it comes from Psalm 18, verses 1 through 6. It says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. Now, if we stop right there at verse 3, man, this is a psalm that we all love. This is a psalm that talks about our relationship with the Lord, our love for him, our commitment to him, how awesome and how great he is. When you read these three verses, you think about a believer who is rich in faith and who's completely committed to Christ, who's com completely committed to the Lord. But look at the next, the next verse. He completely shifts gears in Psalms 18. The cords of death encompassed me and the torrents of ungodliness terrified me. The cords of Sheol surround me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God for help. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry for help before him came into his ears. You know, that sounds very similar to what Jonah says in, in the belly of the well. But so even, even believers, even Christians, go through difficult seasons in their life. And there's even times as believers where sometimes we don't feel as close to God as we would like to be. And we just need to remember, God never moves. Who moves? You and I. You and I. He's the eternal, unchanging, almighty God. And he doesn't change. So he's, he's calling out into his distress. He's crying out from the depths of Sheol. Uh, he reassures himself and he reassures us in verse 2 that God hears our cry. Let's look at verse 3. He says, For you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea, and the current engulfed me. All the breakers and billows passed over me. 
So here we have Jonah. He's completely engulfed in waves and in in the currents of the oceans. We're going to see later on in the text, it appears that he's going down. And if anybody knows anything about them ocean currents, man, those things, they'll take you down really quick because of the flows and the patterns of 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 the seas. But the waves are crashing over him. They're forcing him downward. But notice what he says in verse 3. He says, you have cast me into the deep. Go back and look at Jonah 1.15. Go back and look at Jonah 1.15, verse 15 of, of last chapter. Look at what Jonah 1.15 says. It says, so they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Back in Jonah chapter 1, you have this decision being made by the sailors to throw him overboard, to to appease the gods. But actually, what was their decision was ultimately God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. It was God, because he says in verse 3 of chapter 2, he says, you, God, has cast me into the deep. So at this point, he understood what took place when he was chunked overboard. It wasn't those sailors' decision, but it was God's decree to bring him back to his senses. You know, God having Jonah thrown overboard is is a beautiful picture of God's sovereignty. That he's in complete control. And it's also a beautiful picture to show that God will do whatever it takes to get your attention. If you are a born-again Christian, if you are a child of the King, you have a heavenly father who watches over you day and night. And the scripture teaches that he disciplines those he loves. And he does it for our good. You know, Jonah being chunked overboard, picture of God's sovereignty. It's a picture of God's grace. You know, when when you step back and you look at the big picture, this is a picture of God's grace of him Holding him, he's not going to let him die. He's going he's to scare the eebie-jeebies out of him going into the belly of a, a sea creature. But it was a picture of God's grace, and it's a picture of God's discipline. And again, God disciplines those he loves. Verse 4. Verse 4, he says, So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Here in verse 4, Jonah saw this as the judgment of God. You know, he saw this. He said, so I said, I have been expelled from your sight. That word expelled is just like, when, you know, when I got expelled in the eighth grade at Swansea Middle School for some trouble I got into, they removed me, and I was not allowed to come back. Okay? I was completely removed. And so there was this, I had been rejected by that school because of my poor decisions my actions, I was completely removed. It was a judgment from them. So Jonah sees this as a judgment of being completely removed from God's presence. But look at his hope in the second half of verse 4. He says, nevertheless, in my understanding, I'm being expelled from your sight. I'm being removed. He says, I will look again. I will look again toward your holy temple. So we see Jonah... Despite his anguish, despite being removed, 
down there in the belly of the well, probably losing all of his senses because of the craziness of being inside the sea creature. He says, you know what? I'm going to keep my mind on the Lord. And sometimes we have to do that. When we, find our place, when we find ourselves in a place of rebellion, a place of falling away, and we're trying to come back to the Lord, and we're still suffering the consequences of our decisions, because that happens, you know, we're not, we're not um, we still have to pay the price for the things that we, the bad decisions we make. But he said, in my mind, I'm going to keep God at the center. I'm going to look toward your holy temple, he says there in verse 4. Verse 5, he says, Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deeps engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. You know, I, I tend to think, you know, in the moment he's thrown overboard, Jonah, Jonah went deep. He went deep into the ocean. He went near the bottom. Now you say, how can that be possible? They say once you go beyond 20, 25 feet, you know, it can crush your lungs. It's because God's hand was upon him. And God took him down and preserved him and enabled him to go to take him down into the deep recesses of the ocean. To take him all the way down. You know, um, near the bottom. We don't know how deep it was, but it was toward the bottom. But this is what sin and rebellion does. Sin and rebellion against the Lord, it will take you down, child of God, to rebel against the Lord. It, it will take you down. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. We need to make good, godly decisions that lead to life. How do we make good, godly decisions that lead to life? By living according to the scriptures and following his word and following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And let the Spirit rule in our life. Let the Spirit reign in our life. Pray daily in your walk that the Spirit gives you the power and the strength to obey what you learn from the Word of God. And what the Holy Spirit may prophetically speak to you or lead to, or, or, or give you information. But we have to be focused. We have to have focused living. Um, verse 6. He says, I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. You know, um, Jonah couldn't get any lower than this. Jonah could not get any lower than where he's at now. I descended to the roots of the mountains. When I see that phrase, the first thing that comes to my mind is you have the mountains on the land, and then they slope down. And then eventually it gets down to the ravine of the Mediterranean. It, it, it's down there at the very bottom. The earth with its bars was around me forever. In other words, he couldn't break loose. He couldn't break free. He couldn't avoid this difficult situation he was in. Jonah could not get any lower. you know. And today, God will take you and I down as far as he needs to to get his point across and to teach us whatever lesson. You know, um, so when the Lord, when the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin or something we're doing wrong, you need to say, yes, Lord, please forgive me. I repent. Help me by your Holy Spirit, by the grace of God, to move forward in my life. Because if not, he might step it up. 
he might step it up. He'll keep stepping it up until he grabs your attention. Let's, let's not wait till we have to go down to the depths of Sheol before we learn our lesson. But let's, let's listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and, and, let him let, and let's respond to him when he convicts us of our sin. He's, okay, so we're halfway through verse 6. He says, uh, I love this. There's, there's hope in his prayer there in, in the sea creature. He says, but you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. So is Jonah, I think he's, he's having faith. That, you know, God's going to take me through this. God's, God's got me here for a reason, and he's going to bring me back. How does God restore our life from the pit? How does he restore any believer's life from the pit? The answer to that question can be found in Psalm 103, where Psalm 103, uh, King David is talking to himself. You ever talked to yourself before? Anybody ever talked to yourself? I talk to myself a lot. That's exactly what King David is doing in Psalm 103. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. So sometimes we have to remind ourselves. We have to tell ourselves. We have to coach ourselves. We have to preach to ourselves. Not only preach the gospel to ourselves, but encourage ourselves to to praise the Lord, to to worship him. He says in in verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget none of his benefits who pardons all your iniquities. So how does God restore our life in the pit? Number one, he forgives all your sin when you believe in him and you trust in him. He forgives all sin, past, present, and future, who heals all your diseases, all your physical infirmities. He is the great physician. He is the healer who redeems your life from the pit. Man, how many of you guys can think back to your life before Christ and say, man, I was heading for the pit. I, I was heading for destruction. Yeah, I see some hands being raised. But that's what it's, that's, that, that is so true. I don't know if I'd still be here today. It was, it was through my salvation that God cleaned up my life and he restored me. And all the sin and darkness I was living in, he took me out of it. He redeemed me from the pit of hell and he redeemed me from the pit of, of, of habitual sin. He says he crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. You know, God took this heart of stone. He took the heart of stone out of you, and he placed in your heart compassion. He placed in your heart love. He placed in your heart goodness. And he says, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He satisfies your years with good things. You know, um, Christ has never disappointed me. Christ has never disappointed me, and I have lived a blessed life. And we're promised, and we're given that blessed life in Christ when we serve him, when we live for him. Why? Why, why, can, we, why can we say we have, we have a blessed life? Why can we say it's a good life? Because we're not basing our life on the circumstances around us, but we're, we're basing our life on our identity in Christ. So that, that enables us to say, I am blessed And I am thankful, God, that you're in my life. Let's continue. Verse 7. Verse 7, he says, While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. I don't want to dive too far into this. You know, and there's so much 
we can extrapolate from the verse where he says, while I was fainting away, you know, was he starting to see Tweety Birds? Was he starting to see Elvis? Was it, was it, was it getting difficult down there? Sure. I'm sure it was. It was probably getting very difficult while I was fainting away. So there's this struggle. There's this struggle. He's hoping in the Lord. He's putting his faith in the Lord. He's looking to the Lord. But even times when we put our faith in the Lord and we trust in the Lord, sometimes our heart and our minds don't always connect. And sometimes we look at our circumstances. So he's looking at his circumstances, and he says, I was, I was fainting away. He says, but I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. So there, Jonah affirms that he knew God had heard his prayer. Verse 8. Verse 8 is really great verse. Um, Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. All the idols and the deities that the men prayed to back on the boat when he was on the boat, they were nothing. They did nothing for them. They did nothing for them. Remember the captain was going on the boat saying, hey, wake up. You pray to your God. You know, they were Phoenicians. They traveled the world. They traveled the seven seas. They went all over the world. They were very religious people, but they were going around saying, hey, you pray to your God. Hey, you pray to your God. But all those gods did not come through. And all the vain idols and all the false religions of the world are worthless. Because Jesus said in John 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. When Jesus said he is the truth, the one true God, he's saying all the other ones are not. There's only one true God who answers prayer. And our God is an interacting God. Our God is, is intimately involved in our lives. And we should expect him to be intimately involved in our lives today. It's not just a, a, a mere creed that we hold to or, or a certain theological position, but we trust, we have faith in the true and living God. And we should expect him to interact with us today in our life and be faithful to us to lead us, to guide us, direct us. You know, if we're facing a difficulty in life, if we're facing a challenging situation, you know, let's pray. And then let's open our eyes and say, Lord, how are you going to answer this? Because you're a faithful God and you take care of us. So, so there's an interaction with the Lord because he is faithful, but vain idols are not. Verse 9 He says, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I vowed I will pay. Salvation is of the Lord. So here we have a sacrifice of praise. We have have him uh, sacrificing to the Lord with a voice of thanksgiving, gurgling there in the stomach acid in a very difficult situation. But he's praising the Lord. He's singing a song. And that which I vowed I pay, salvation is from the Lord. You know, that's that's a... Universal truth throughout all the scripture. That salvation is of God. It's his plan. It's his calling. And we respond to his, uh, to his salvation. Jonah understood this. That salvation comes from the Lord. And he was offering up prayers of thanksgiving. So how does a believer who has fallen away return to God? What was our first principle? There has to be a full turning point. 
But in addition to a full turning point, as, as we've looked at this prayer from Jonah in Jonah chapter 2, the second thing is there needs to be a full repentance. There needs to be a, God, I'm coming clean with my sin. I'm coming clean with my rebellion. I'm bringing it to your throne of grace. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. So there's got to be a full-on repentance. There, there, there's there's got to be a heart attitude that says, you know what? I am done with this sin. I am done with this rebellion. And I'm coming completely back to you, God. And I'm repenting. That word repent, metanoia, it, it means to turn away, to turn away from sin. And after we have a full repentance, there needs to be a commitment to full obedience. So it's full, there's got to be a full turning point, full repentance, and then there's got to be full obedience. You gotta be, you gotta be at that point where you're like, Lord, come hell or high water, I'm gonna obey you. Come, no matter what, I'm gonna spend time in your word. No matter what, I'm gonna spend time in prayer. I'm gonna be in fellowship, I'm gonna be in the word, and I'm gonna be walking strong in my faith. That's the obedience that we have to have. That's the obedience that, that we say, Lord, I wanna obey you and live my life in obedience. To your word. Faith and obedience, they go hand in hand. You know, we obey who we believe, who we trust in. And he says there in verse 10, then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. I like this. If we, I think we saw it last week. I think it was, it was the end of chapter one last week. It says God appointed a, a sea creature. We don't know if it was a well. The text, the word that's used there is not a well. It's just a large sea creature. But it says back in chapter 1, he appointed. In other words, he called forth this massive sea creature that came and uh, swallowed Jonah. And now he says here in verse 10, the Lord commanded the fish. Hey, the fish obey him. <laughs> the fish obey him. That's one good thing there. The Lord commanded the fish. And when the fish heard the Lord's command, the fish said, yes, sir, and took him to the shore and vomited Jonah up onto dry land. You know, when there's a full turning point, when there's a full repentance, when there's a full obedience, I believe there will be a full restoration. And that's what we see here. Um, God restoring Jonah and bringing him back to the land. He deserved punishment. He deserved to be dead. But God showed him grace. Let's look at, let's look at the first three verses of chapter 3 to, to talk about this full restoration. So turning point, repentance, obedience leads to restoration. My point of restoration comes from chapter 2, verses, verse 10, and Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. It says... Now, I love that word, now. It's like a fresh new start there. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. You know, when I read that phrase, you know, I thought, about, you know, God is a God of second chances. You know, God gives us a second chance, okay? So if you've blown it one time, ask for forgiveness, repent, and God will give you a second chance. It'll give you a second chance in ministry or whatever you were being a part of. 
He says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, to the great city and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And there it is, full on restoration. What he had originally been told to do, he rejected, went out to sea. God disciplines him, graciously disciplines him, loves him, brings him back. Jonah has a full change of heart. He goes back on a dry land, and God restores him to his original mission. So that's, that's amazing, family, to think that, that God completely God can completely turn things around when we simply obey and repent and put our trust in him. So maybe you're thinking about some things that you've done in your life as a believer that you regret. You know, bring it to his throne of grace. Say, Lord, please forgive me. And let him give you a second chance to make amends with someone or to serve in a particular ministry. You know, but so how do we return to God when we've fallen away? Based on the prophet, what Jonah te- is teaching us here in chapter 1, verse 3, there they are. It's got to be a full turning point. There's got to be a, a point in your life where you say, you know what? I'm going to turn around and I'm going to do a U turn for Christ. I understand I was doing it my way and, and I regret it. And I'm going to turn away from that sin. I'm going to turn away from that rebellion. I'm going to turn away from that thinking or whatever. And I'm going to turn back to the Lord. That's the turning point. Then there's got to be a full repentance. Whatever the sin was, whatever the rebellion was, bring it to his throne of grace. You know, we serve a God who specializes in forgiveness. Okay? And he doesn't forgive us just because we ask. He forgives us because someone paid the price for our sin. Jesus. He forgives when we repent. Then there's got to be a full-on obedience. Man, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to serve the Lord, and I'm going to walk forward in my walk with him. And then when we do that, there's a full, I believe there is a full restoration based on Jonah chapter 2, verse 10, and chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Amen? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for tonight. Thank you for this Bible study of Jonah chapter 2. Lord, help each and every one of us, Father, understand your awesome grace, your awesome mercy, your loving kindness. And Lord, uh, all of us have made decisions and done things that have deserved judgment. That in the eyes of the world, we should be condemned. But Lord, because we returned to you, with a heart of obedience, with a heart of repentance. Lord, you've restored us, each and every one of us here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of repentance. And Lord, help us to be completely committed to you in everything we say and do, in our walk, and in our obedience, and Father, in doing what you have called us to do. Lord, let nothing stand in the way. Father, thank you for the prophet Jonah. Thank you for what we learned in chapter 1 and chapter 2. And Father, now we look forward to the message that he has for Nineveh, for the calling that he is going to go there and preach to bring them to a place of repentance. Lord, we love you, praise you, and thank you for this Bible study tonight. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen. Amen.